Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Buried within the Talmud, a document written between the 2nd and 5th century of the Common Era and edited and compiled between the 6th and 7th century of the Common Era, is a phrase which in Hebrew is my Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? asked the Talmud. Now, upon reflection, this is a strange question for the rabbis of the Talmud to be asking. Did they not know what the holiday of Hanukkah commemorated? Did not they themselves ordain Hanukkah as an eight-day celebration beginning with the 25th of Kislev? Now, all of you as listeners are aware to some degree of the story of Hanukkah, of the victory of the brave Maccabees against the Greek Syrians, of the miracle of the cruise of oil that burned for eight days instead of one. Yet upon closer examination, the early history of the holiday of Hanukkah is not so clear-cut. The story is in and of itself not so simple. The common version is perhaps worth a brief review before we examine its sources in detail. In the 4th century before the Common Era, BCE, Alexander the Great with his Greek armies conquered the Near East, including the land of Judea, known to most of us as Israel. After his death, his empire split apart. The land of Israel, after a period of struggle, came under the control of the Seleucid dynasty, named after one of Alexander's generals, which ruled the region of Syria. In the year 167 before the Common Era, the king Antiochus Epiphanes decided to force all the peoples under his rule, including Judea slash Israel, to Hellenize. The practice of Jewish rituals such as Shabbat and circumcision was outlawed. The worship of Greek gods and the sacrifice of pigs replaced the traditional worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Some Jews eagerly flocked to the gymnasium, symbol of Greek emphasis on the beauty and strength of the body. Others resisted Hellenism and died as martyrs. One day, the Greeks came into the village of Modein, according to tradition, and set up an altar. They commanded the Jews to bring a pig as a sacrifice to show obedience to Antiochus's decree. Matateyahu, an old priest, was so enraged when he saw a Jew about to do so that he killed him. He and his five sons then fought the Greek detachment, retreated to the mountains, and began a guerrilla war against the Greeks and their Jewish allies. Before he died of old age, Matatiahu passed on the leadership to his son, Judah the Maccabee. Judah led his forces against a series of armies sent by Antiochus, and through superior strategy and bravery, he defeated them. Finally, he and his followers liberated Jerusalem and reclaimed the temple from its defilement by the Greeks. 
According to the story, they would find only one small cruise of oil, enough to last one day in which to light the temple menorah. But when they finally lit the temple menorah, the seven-branch candelabra, a miracle occurred and the menorah burned for eight days. Since then, we celebrate Hanukkah to remember the Maccabees and their most successful fight for independence against the Greek Syrians, and most of all, the miracle of the oil. Hanukkah is the most historically documented of the Jewish holidays. We have early sources for the story in the first and second books of the Maccabees and in the works of Josephus. We have somewhat later accounts in the Talmud and later rabbinic literature. There is even a medieval work called Megillat Antiochus, the scroll of Antiochus, which is modeled after the biblical book of Esther. The problem that exists for educated Jews and those amongst the rest of the community, that none of these accounts do we find the story as outlined previously, and it is popularly known. Let me say that again, that the textual historical sources, the books of Maccabees, the works of Josephus, and even Megillat Antiochus, the scroll of Antiochus, do not seem to affirm the story as told by the rabbis in the Talmud. So let me share with you some perceptions about this and why this might not be true. The earliest versions are found in the first book of Maccabees and the second books of Maccabees. While these books tell the history of the Maccabees, they did not become part of the Hebrew Bible. They were preserved by the church and can be found in collections of apocrypha literature. Thus, Hanukkah is the only major holiday that has no basis in the Hebrew Bible. Although sometimes in modern rabbinic circles, Hanukkah is not considered a major holiday as it doesn't have a biblical origin. The story found in the first and second books of Maccabees, with some small variations between the two, is fairly similar to the traditional uh, story suggested by me a minute ago, except for one major exception. There is no mention of the cruise of oil or the miracle. While both books mention the cleaning and rededicating of the temple, and even briefly mentioning the relighting of the lamps in the temple, nothing is mentioned of a miracle. The holiday of Hanukkah is instituted specifically for eight days, not because of the miracle of the menorah, but because it is modeled after the biblical holiday of Sukkot which the Maccabees could not observe while they were fugitive in the mountains of Judea. The next account we have, that of Josephus, the Jewish historian of the first century of the Christian era, who writes his history while hiding out in Rome, there is again no mention of the miracle, but he does call the holiday 
the holiday of lights without explanation. As for rabbinic sources, we would expect to find the laws for candle lighting in the Mishnah, the earliest collection of rabbinic material. In fact, we might expect a whole tractate, a whole section of the Mishnah devoted to Hanukkah as there is to Purim, which is known as Tractate Megillah. Instead, we find virtual silence in the Mishnah, second century of the Common Era, about Hanukkah. Only in the Gemara, the later rabbinic material that together with the Mishnah makes up the Talmud, do we find our long-lost miracle of Hanukkah. In the section of Shabbat, particularly on page 21b, the unknown Gomorrah or unidentified rabbi asks, what is Hanukkah? And the Gomorrah, again, an unnamed source, answers by saying, the Greeks defiled the temple, and when the Hasmoneans, another name for the Maccabees and their descendants, defeated them, they found only one cruise of oil with its seal unbroken. It contained enough oil for only one day, but a miracle happened, and the miracle and the menorah burned for eight days. So, it should be pointed out by me that the Talmud's account pays scant attention to the military victory of the Maccabees and focuses instead almost completely on the miracle of the oil. Scholars speculate that the difference in these texts reflects the history of the festival. At first, Hanukkah was celebrated as a reminder of the victory of the Maccabees. It also marked the rededication and as some of you may remember, Hanukkah means dedication of the temple. Only later did the miracle of the oil come to dominate the story of military victory. This shift in focus can perhaps be attributed to the subsequent history of the descendants of the Maccabees known as the Hasmoneans. The Hasmonean dynasty with the passage of time became Hellenized, and more important, some of them opposed and even persecuted the early rabbis. This dark latter history superseded the bright period at their beginning, and this may explain the Mishnah's silence about Hanukkah. Of course, others speculate that in Mishnaic times, the rabbis living under Roman rule may have felt obligated to censor a story of successful revolt by a small number of Jews against a powerful enemy. The Mishnah was composed after the disastrous revolts of A.D., 70 A.D., when the Second Temple was destroyed, and 135 A.D., when the Bar Kokhba rebellion was uh, put down with great cruelty both to appease the Romans and to discourage Jews from being inspired by the Maccabees. The text known as the Mishnah may have minimized the military significance of Hanukkah. Finally, it's possible to speculate that because the independence of the Hasmonean state lasted less than 100 years before it was conquered by Rome, the importance of the Maccabean victory diminished as time went on until it seemed like a relatively brief moment in the history of Israel. Other dates in the Jewish calendar from that period also subsequently passed into obscurity. 
For example, the day of Judah's victory over the Syrian Greek general was celebrated on Ardar 13, which later became the fast of Esther. To ensure Hanukkah's lasting importance then, perhaps the rabbis of the tradition decided to emphasize its spiritual meaning and its symbol, the menorah. Of course, another speculation attributes the de-emphasis to the Mishnah's author, Rabbi Judah Hanasi. He was of Davidic descent and may have regarded the Hasmoneans, who were of priestly descent, as usurping the role of the secular ruler, which by tradition was reserved for the Davidic line, and therefore, in writing his Mishnah, or best to be safe to say, in editing the document known as the Mishnah, he cho- chose to de-emphasize anything that would have given uh, a place of preeminence to the priestly class. Of course, in spite of all this ambiguous history, Hanukkah remained popular and the rabbis established rules for the lighting of the candles. While these commemorated the miracle of oil, the tale of the Maccabees was never completely divorced from the story. So, during Hanukkah, the prayer Al-Hanisim is added in the 18 benedictions, uh, and during the grace after meals, known as Birkat Hamazon, the prayer Al-Hanisim stresses the military victory and only mentions lighting the temple menorah in passing, without any reference to the um, menorah. Scholars have questioned the role of Antiochus, the Greek Syrian king, in the traditional account of Hanukkah. Many find it hard to believe that Antiochus instituted persecution described in the story. They maintain that there was only a veneer of Hellenism in the Near East in the second century. Moreover, they conjecture that being a polytheist, Antiochus would not have cared that the Jews continued to worship their god, since there were already many gods in his pantheon. These scholars, both um, modern and of previous generations, maintain that the villains of the story are Jewish Hellenizers, namely a group of Jewish aristocrats who wish to form a Greek polis or city-state, perhaps to be called Antioch of Jerusalem. Eager for the economic and social opportunities such a position would give them, they established a gymnasium, changed their name, say, from Joshua to Jason, and took on other trappings of Hellenism. According to the book of Maccabees, they went so far as to undergo a painful operation to stimulate the reversal of their circumcision. When segments of the Jewish people opposed these Hellenizers, they, the Hellenizers, called upon their powerful supporter Antiochus to back them up with Syrian troops. 
A bitter civil war ensued with the Syrian troops supporting the Hellenistic faction. Notice that rather than seeing this as a war between the Jews and the Greek Syrians, in this historical approach, it's a war between two groups of Jews, one wanting to maintain the old ways and more and more interested in a Hellenizing or what today we would call an assimilationist approach. They don't wish to be non-Jews, they just wish to be less physically obvious as Jews. As the war progressed, the Maccabees extended the Jewish cause from religious to national freedom. The story of the Hasmoneans, as their dynasty is called, is that of the gradual development of the Jewish state based on their military might and the weakness of the Syrian Empire, whose rival factions they played against each other to their own advantage. The Hasmonean kings themselves over time became Hellenized and opposed the rabbis. In the end, the Hasmonean lion was killed off by Herod, who rose to power under the Romans and whose story of insane jealousy toward all the descendants of the Hasmoneans is recorded by Josephus. So it should be noted that it was not Judah's victory and the dedication of the temple that brought independence. Judah died in a battle well before the end of the struggle. Judea was still under Syrian rule, and a Syrian garrison would remain in Jerusalem for years to come after 165. The subsequent Hasmonean kings would bring independence. Yet, on Hanukkah, we do not commemorate the latter history of the Hasmoneans, nor the brevity of the period of independence they won. Instead, we remember the victory of the original few Jews against the many Syrians, the weak against the strong, and we rejoice in a people who were freed from religious persecution and successfully resisted assimilation. I've spent the time this morning uh, presenting you with the varieties of history suggesting that the real history of Hanukkah is more complicated than you might have thought, that the simplistic message of the uh, miracle is enticing, but really may not have um, had a role to play in the original story. So Hanukkah changed from that which was written about in the book of Maccabees and Josephus to that which was written about in the Mishnah and Gomorrah, and it continued to change and develop. During the Middle Ages, the focus of Hanukkah remained on the miracle of the oil, through stories and the bravery of the Maccabeans were well known. While 1st and 2nd Maccabees, as well as Josephus, were unknown to most Jews, these stories were recorded in various rabbinic exegesis or collections of folktales or in that document which I referred to earlier, Migilat Antiochus. Some communities read the scroll of Antiochus during Hanukkah. 
paralleling the scroll of Esther, which is read during the holiday of Purim. Strangely, this scroll does not speak both of the miracle and of the victory, and downplays Judah's role, and instead makes his brother Jonathan the chief hero. Another important focus during the Middle Ages was the religious martyrdom of the story. All the accounts speak of Jews who preferred to die rather than submit to Antiochus' degree. The second book of Maccabees in particular has many such accounts. One tells of Eliezer, the scribe in his 90s, who refused to eat pork and died of torture. The most famous is that of Hannah and her seven sons. Each son is asked by the king to eat pork or in some versions to bow to an idol and each refuses. After proclaiming his faith in the Hebrew God, each is horribly put to death. Even the seventh and youngest refuses and both he and Hannah die. This story and that of Eleazar with some variations appears in rabbinic literature. Of course, we should take into account that these martyrs have served as models to Jews under persecution throughout the ages, but particular to the Jews of Europe during the Middle Ages, who during the First Crusade and Second Crusades, um, subsequent Crusades, experienced intense persecution. In America, Hanukkah has been influenced by the celebration of Christmas. While the tradition of giving guilt money is an old one, the proximity to Christmas has made the gift-giving an intrinsic part of the holiday. In general, the attempt to create a Jewish equivalent to Christmas has given Hanukkah more significance in the festival cycle than it had in the past. Indeed, for many North American Jewish festivals, Hanukkah is more important than the biblical holidays of Sukkot and Shavuot. In the state of Israel, the national and military aspects of the festival have once again come to play a central role. The heroic struggle of the Maccabees against a larger and better supplied foe is, of course, much in keeping with Israel's self-image. Celebrations are held in Modi'in, the hometown of the Maccabees, and torches of freedom are carried by runners from there to all parts of the country, even by plane to other countries. And so the answer to the simple question, my Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah, has continued to be like the flickering flame of the menorah. The flame never looks the same from one instance to the next, but at its core, it remains unchanged. I want to end our show today by speaking about such an interesting topic that's usually ignored um, in the discussion of Jewish holidays, and that is women and Hanukkah. In the same book of Talmud that speaks about the miracle, it says, Rabbi Joshua ben Levi stated, women are obligated to light the Hanukkah menorah, for they took part in the miracle. 
How is this so? Two sets of story are told. In the first, the Syrian governor demanded that Jewish brides be first given to him on their wedding nights. When the daughter of the high priest finished her wedding ceremony, she tore off her clothes and stood naked before all the guests, whereupon her brothers became enraged with her and wanted to kill her. She said, Over my nakedness you become angry, but over what the governor will do to me you remain silent. Roused to fury, her brothers went to the governor and killed him, and thus, according to this version, the revolt started. In the second story, the Syrians were besieging a city and the Jews had no hope of successful defense. Then a woman named Judith left the city and entered the Syrian camp. The Syrian general desired her and that night Judith prepared a feast for him, including many cheeses to make him thirsty. He drank wine until he fell asleep and Judith then beheaded him. When the Syrians discovered their general dead and saw the Jews bearing his head afloat while advancing to attack, they fled. Now, this last tale is based on the book of Judith, which, like the book of Maccabees, is found in the Apocrypha. The book of Judith is set in the Babylonian period and seems to have no connection with Hanukkah. However, it came to be connected is unclear. But again, medieval versions of the story place it in the context of the Hasmonean revolt. In some of these variations, Judith's name is changed. Recent scholarship explains the connection of Judith and Hanukkah by dating the writing of the book to the Maccabean period. The story is also used to explain the custom of eating cheese on Hanukkah. The prominent role of women in the resistance to Antiochus' decree is also reflected in the story of Hannah and her seven sons. It also explains the custom that women should not have to do any work while the candles are burning. Some carry this honor further, saying that women should not work during Hanukkah, or at least not during the first and last day. One tradition is to dedicate the eighth day to women and read the book of Judith. As you can see, Hanukkah is not simply a miracle story, that it's got a variety of different aspects to it, and it's what makes the holiday such an unusual holiday in the pantheon of Jewish celebrations. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you shalom. You can receive a podcast of this morning's show on iTunes or on the chri.ca website. Have a good day. Behold.